This is the Hunt for Wellness podcast with Seth Brown, 47, Bono. It's another great day for wellness, and this is Bones bringing the packs of F3 Nation the latest strategies and tips to accelerate their king and optimize their queen. Health is a journey and requires you to take a proactive approach on a daily basis. Knowing exactly what to do and how to do it will help you achieve it faster. Each week, we are going to be interviewing the leading health and wellness experts, sharing inspiring stories from the packs, and diving into the latest research to help you optimize your health. So get ready as we embark on your hunt for wellness. Well, welcome back to another edition of the Hunt for Wellness podcast. This is Dr. Tuna Hunt, otherwise known as Bones in the Gloom. And Pac's super excited about today's show, about being on the airways, and really just sharing uh, some time with a good buddy uh, and someone you guys are all going to be familiar with uh, as I bring him onto the show today. Uh, he's got a real unique health story. He's got some unique health background that I think is going to resonate with a lot of the F3 nation and something that we really all need to be aware of because we never know who's posting with us in the gloom, what their medical conditions are, and he's going to shed some light on that today. And of course, I am talking about my good friend, Seth Brown, or otherwise known as Bono in the gloom. Welcome to the friend uh, show, my friend. Yeah, it's it's good to be on the show. I, I remember... Bones, one of the first times, I think it was a grow ruck, and uh, we were sitting, we were in the same kind of squads starting out. I'm like, Bones, like, you're the bones, like, like, so that way, if my back hurts, you can crack my back or something like that. I made some smart aleck comment. I was like, man, you don't, you, you look a whole lot stronger, taller, and it, you know, you're a good looking man, right? But in the in the flesh, it's like, holy cow, look at that dude. What in the world? So, yeah, that was that was a that was a fun uh all those grow rucks are fun but yeah it's good to to be on the podcast with you brother for sure yeah good to see you again and uh yeah that was uh, i think we're part of the red platoon uh, i think you're referring to the gte yeah. uh down in uh grand strand uh, yes. about a year and a half ago and uh yeah good time you always get to know somebody a little bit better when you're under the log so uh i really appreciate you being part of that with me that night and uh always good to connect. And we've been able to see each other a few times over the course of the last couple of years, primarily at the end of that Blue Ridge Relay, uh, once again, just recently. How'd that go for you, man? It was it was fun this year. I will tell you, I, the first year I ran it, I, I needed it because I came in with this ego of, if I'm going to run this dumb race, I hate running, first of all. If I'm going to run this dumb race, I'm going to run one of the harder legs. So give me a mountain goat. And I got my wish. I got six. And leg six starts with, you know, a tough run. And then you do Grandfather Mountain, which completely humbled me, like completely. Um, I was like cramping at mile 3.2. So I did a 5K, finished the 10 and a half. Um, and then I had the, what we call the nipple, which is like mm -hmm. straight up and straight down. Um, and finished that one um, just being proud to finish and realizing I have to honor the mountain. Um, went back the second year and I, I did, I was like, if I'm going to do it, let me do the other mountain goat. And so I did leg four. Uh, we call that El Diablo, which is the one that starts and just goes straight up, like up, 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 switchback mountain. Uh, you have another nine and a half mile run as the second one. So almost the same runs, you know, different legs, but same runs felt much, much better. Cause I was training for a marathon then, uh, this year I was like, complete opposite. I was like, I don't care. Give me one of the easy ones. So I had leg seven, 14 total miles. I was so proud. I was like, oh man, this is going to be fun. I'm going to run fast. I'm going to get it done. And what do they do? They switch the doggone legs and I get grandfather mountain again. Oh, wow. so it's like, like God had this plan. I was like, all right, let me do it. And I think I ended up cutting it was 14 or 17 minutes off my time last time. So didn't do fabulous, but did better. I knew what I was getting into uh, managed the race. It was fun this year. Um, cause my other two other runs were like three miles, three miles, four miles, yeah. uh, which was so much fun. And that last leg, there was this kid, he's probably 20 years old and he was way up in the, in the distance. So I just started counting to a hundred and just how many times would I, and then when I got down to like 60 and then I got to 50 and then I got to 25 and then 20, and then I could see him and I, we were like going fast. And then I get up to next to him, like, where are you from? 
And he tells me, look at him like, this dude's 22 years old or something like that. And I'm like, I'm going to keep on rolling. I just passed his butt. It was so much fun. Good um, for you, man. Yeah, That's yeah. what we hang on to as, uh, as we get older, right? We watch these younger packs come out and, uh, or younger participants and see how we measure up to them. And, and you had a good philosophy. I think we all do that. I think the first couple of times we're like, you know, we want to test ourselves, put ourselves through the gamut. And then we, and maybe just wisdom. We decide, hey, I don't have to prove to myself or anybody else. Just <laughs> so have fun, I just, right? That's yeah, right. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. So that's kind of what I just did this past that this year too. I uh, I begrudgingly joined a, a six man team, an ultra, and uh, glad I did it. Uh, I'm glad I checked the box. I, I, I'm not sure if I'll rush back uh, to do that. Uh, you know, I think I can enjoy the the race with a little bit less mileage under my legs, uh, in the future. So good for you, man. I'm glad that you're continuing to put it out there. Um, so let's talk a little bit about F3, uh, bring us up to speed about exactly, uh, you know, how you learned about F3, uh, who we aged you and then why the name Bono. Yeah. So I, I started in 2015. It was April of 2015. I was in the middle of a PhD program. Um, so I was up at four 30 reading most of the time, um, just burning the candle at both ends. And my next door neighbor, he had three girls and two of them were the same age as my girls. So literally we could look at our deck and if their garage door was open, the girls knew they could literally run to the house and we'd jump on trampolines, go play at the house. And his name was, uh, Jamie, we call him shrimp because he's like six, four, but made a great shrimp stew. So there's a little bit of play on words. It was a second level name, right? That was a good one. So Jamie came up, came up to my house Friday night and he was standing at the base of the steps and I was on the third step. So we were about the same height. And uh, yeah. And he says, uh, you got to come out with a Saturday workout. I'm like, dude, I get up early every morning. I don't have time for this same normal sad clown kind of thing. And he's like, no, no, you, you got to come out. And uh, we work out in the gloom. So that way we can be a dad the rest of the day. And that hit me hard, right where he needed to hit me hard, right? So I could be a dad the rest of the day. I'm like, all right, dude, I'll come out. And so I post the first time in, in the original Nantan in, in ENC is Papa Smurf. And um, he's a got a lot of fame because he uh, he battled hard through ALS, one of my real close friends. But I didn't know him. He was the the cue that day and led us in ultimate football. So like ultimate Frisbee with, with a football. And it was so much fun. I played like I was a middle school kid, ran, 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 did everything and hurt until that Thursday. It was like, holy crap, what did I get myself into? Um, and my buddy, Melo Johnny, I remember the second time I posted, he's like, when you come in, I came out Thursday. Uh, he's like, when you coming again, you coming tomorrow. And I was like, Okay. I was like, no, but okay. And it's that whole idea of, of just getting out there. Um, and, and the second F that glue was, is still what keeps me going. It's my friends. They're my best friends. Uh, speaking of, of best friends, one of the guys in my shield lock who I've known for the, the day that I was there, Tonka named me. He, he asked me a very simple question. What's your favorite band? You too. He throws out Bono. It sticks. I don't, I'm smart enough not to say a word. Bono is easy. It's fun. I love him. Like, all right, that's easy. Um, it's a very first level name. Um, but yeah, that's, that's Bono for you. So. Yeah. And you're, and you're lucky because a lot of times they'll find out what's your favorite and give you something <laughs> the opposite. Completely so. <laughs> opposite. Yes. So yeah. Right. Yeah. You, you have some actual good friends there. So good for you. And, uh, you know, uh, once you kind of learn the naming process, if you come across or if you come out unscathed, uh, you're always counting your blessings. You know, at the time, I didn't realize how blessed I was to have bones. But, man, now I'm like, whoo, thank God. Yes. It could have been so many, <laughs> Very. so many bad options out there. And so I'll take it. It's easy to say, just like Bono. And, and, and that's great, man. So you are in the ENC region. Is that correct? Yes. So Greenville, North yeah. Carolina. When, okay. I, I always have to say that because when I'm in Charlotte, they always think South Carolina. I'm like, no, uh, North Carolina people, same state, remember us. So, yeah, we give give them a hard time out there. So, Gotcha. How long has the ENC region been around? 
Uh, 20, it was 2015. So we started in, I think it was um, February of 2015. So I was a couple months after we started. That's partly why I got an easy name because they were still too new to figure out. That, <laughs> you know, they were yeah. still trying to gain numbers at the time, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah, for sure. I hear you. Well, man, I'm, I'm sure they love having you around. I know that you're a big uh, uh, redwood in the area and do a lot of leadership things there locally, but you also hold a national leadership position. So help us understand exactly what your title is and what you do for the nation at large. So my official title is I'm the head of leadership development. So I work with Dark Helmet and the other other members of the nation's SLT. Um, it's a new position that started really this this January, sort of December-ish January timeframe. Um, and really it's it's about the second part of that mission to invigorate male community leadership. How do we formalize that process um, is one of the keys. And so our, our, our mission actually is to engage and empower leaders to learn, share, and refine how to build and inspire leaders. So it's basically leaders building leaders. And we do that. We started with the, the leadership development process, which is schooling, apprenticeship, opportunity, and failure. But those are awkward terms to put into sort of like, what do we do? So really it's about we learn, we share, and we refine. Uh, and that refinement piece is, is about the opportunity and failure. Um, I know Dred and I have talked a couple of times through Grow Rucks about the word failure and, and why is that part of the process? And I'm like, Dred, you're talking about learning. You're not talking about failure because failure is quitting. Learning is not doing it the first time and doing it better the second. And so we agree on the concept. It's his term. I'm like, all right. So that idea of refining, I think, is is key um, in there. And just how do we learn? How do we constantly share best practices? Um, Slaughter said this. He came to Greenville one time and he's like, what's important is, you know, he talked about the Metro journey. And for a while, they were just first F. And it wasn't until they really figured out the second and third that things took off. And he was like, how do we fast track? those years that we were just focused on just that one aspect. It's like, all right, that's how we, how do we share best practices? So the idea is for us just to be a, a resource uh, for the, the national leaders. Uh, how do we look at individual leadership development process, the regional leadership development process? How do we work with stuff worth trying, which is an online manual. So that way we can find those, those best practices, those playbooks. Uh, so that's what we're really trying to put into place this year. Yeah. So do you work uh, like one-on-one -on -one with different Nantans across the nation, sector queues? I mean, is it something specific that you have going on with all that? Well, to be quite honest, we have a call right after this one. <laughs> That's okay. the F3 call where I'm, I'm working with GMO, with sector queues, working with beans, with expansion. And we're looking at how do we work together? Um, really, sector queues are the ones who are in direct contact with the Nantans, and that's where the, the relationships are. So our idea is how do we support the sector leaders to then when they have a need, we have a contact. And and our, really our goal is to try to, to break it down. So regionally, we have folks across the nation who have some expertise in, in, in some of the things we're talking about. Um, so that way it makes it a little more grassroots level rather than some pie in the sky ivory tower. Um, yeah. That's not what we want. So, yeah. Cool. Well, man, I appreciate your willingness to step in as that. And I know the sector keys appreciate you and your leadership on that. And it's just making all the regions better. And the, the, the neat thing about F3 is the regional approach, the, the local approach, but it is nice to have some best practices shared. Uh, why reinvent the wheel if we don't have to? And so I love the initiative that you guys are doing. And, uh, you know, I, I think we're going to get guys up and running much, much faster with these practices versus trying to figure it all over, over and over again from scratch. So kudos to you guys and good luck to you um, as far as that goes. So let's kind of switch gears and, and talk a little bit about you personally, um, a little bit about your own health journey, your health perspectives, um, just to kind of give everybody an idea of exactly who you are. Give us an idea how old you are. Uh, it sounds like you're married. It sounds like you mentioned 2.0s. Maybe you can give us an update on that. Um, maybe just, you know, height, weight, just kind of gives us a demographic of who you are so people can kind of figure out um, a picture in their mind of who Bono is. Gotcha. So I am uh, Seth Brown, 47, Bono. So I'm 47 years old, um, 5'10", about 170 right now. Um, so I'm in, I wear a schmedium is what we joke around. Um, I'm a 
I've been running the last three years, so and I'm a go ruck guy, so I love shorty shorts. Um, I figured that the my pasty white thighs are also reflective material, so it, it makes me high vis, is what we joke around here. Um, I'm married. I actually, um, my bride wrote me a note um, in 1992 and asked me to the Valentine's Day dance, and we've been together ever since. That was my junior year in high school, her freshman year. Um, so Joanna keeps me straight. She is a, a personal trainer and nutrition coach at a local gym here. So she, she helps keep me as straight as possible, which is sometimes a very difficult job. Uh, we joke around a lot with that. Uh, but she's been really the sort of the center of my concentrica from the beginning. And F3 really, I think that was part of it in the middle of my PhD, just knowing how I'm sort of stretched towards the outside of that concentrica, sort of figuring out, all right, how do I focus on my bride and my kids? Um, that was an important lesson, I think, uh, that that I learned long, seven years ago now almost. Um, I think the other thing, too, is I, well, I've got two girls. Um, Caitlin is 18. She is a freshman at Meredith, which is a small all-girls school in Raleigh, right close to NC State. She's running cross-country with the team, so just dropped 45 seconds on her 5k time. Oh, so wow. she's whipping my butt right now. I used to think I could still catch her, but there is no way in the world. Um, I mean, chick, she loves the 800 meters. Um, it's so fun to watch her in high school, sophomore year, she struggled, but watching her junior and senior year where, um, I give her a hard time and say, you're like a tiger babe. I mean, you see the, the, the next girls and you just hunting them down and, she just has this passion, especially for that brutal 800 meter race, which I don't know why she loves it, but she loves it. Um, and it's fun watching her. So she's majoring in psychology and, and seems to be doing well. Um, that's fun. My youngest is uh, 16, Madison. She is she was my dancer. Um, and I say was because the last two years medically, we've been working hard through some things. Um, she had limes. She had has had COVID twice. Um, we sort of eliminated the concept of what is long COVID. Is it long COVID? It's don't think it is, but it's um, like dysautonomia. So her automatic nervous system mm -hmm. is just completely out of whack. Um, and we're still not sure why. So it's things like she went to the doctor Friday at Chapel Hill and doctor took her pulse and she was had a pulse of 70 sitting down. He had her simply stand up and stand still. And in five minutes, her pulse went from 70 to 120, standing wow. still. And this is my girl who was like a fabulous dancer. She was in the dance collective and just precision was her thing. And even fine motor skills of putting her earrings in the, the little stand, she puts them in a tray now because she doesn't have have that fine motor skills. So she's she's tough. Um, I give her a hard time sometimes about being tough, but she is tough for really for a year, it's been rough for two years. She's felt it. Um, so mm -hmm. it's just watching her. And so that's, she, that's a focus of the family is making sure that, that Maddie's okay. Um, and so she's a whole lot like me. So we are like oil and vinegar sometimes probably cause we're oil and oil. Um, and, uh, it's fun. She's one of the people that will call me out when I act like a, a butthead and at 16, it's like, <laughs> all right, love, you're on the line there. You're right. But you're on the line there. <laughs> Or sometimes it's a matter of you're wrong. Just let's talk through this. So it's it's fun. Um, just having both girls and watching them lead and take care of other people. Um, it's fun. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I appreciate you giving us that perspective. And uh that's always you know, hard to work with when we have a loved one, especially a, a child that's battling some kind of ailment and, and yeah. you kind of almost have that helpless feeling because you yeah. don't know exactly what to do to kind of get them back to where, you know, they need to be. So prayers to you, man. And, uh, God willing, the doctors and whomever you guys choose to work with will shine some light on, on yeah. what's going on. And she gets that recovery. Um, well, you personally, yeah. uh, have a unique health, uh, <laughs> issue. Uh, if you, uh, and, and so why don't we kind of dive into that a little bit and that can maybe kind of guide us through the rest of our conversation, conversation to some, some degree, but, uh, um, tell us a little bit about your unique health condition and, and kind of how that's been an impact a, when you found out about it and then B 
how that initially impacted, if at all, your health and, 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 and your strategy around health. And we can kind of talk about what you're doing now. Yeah. So I, um, I was a freshman at Chapel Hill. Um, we had a Boy Scout event every third weekend in March. And so I was at that event in the order of the Euro event. My dad looks at me at breakfast and says, Seth, you look like crap. He didn't say the word crap. I was like, thanks, dad. That's great. And I didn't feel good. And I thought my bride, Joanna, who was my girlfriend, then her best friend had mono. So I found out Monday, I sort of ignored it. I was like, all right. So I think it was Wednesday, Tuesday or Wednesday, I went to the student health and said, hey, doc, I got mono. My my girlfriend's best friend has mono. They share Pepsis. I got mono. Told them the symptoms because I would get up, go to the student store, drink a Mountain Dew, um, go to class, fill it up before I sat down, get up in the middle of class, fill it up again. And I told him that. He's like, all right, let's check it and check my blood sugar. And I'm type 1 diabetic. Um, so I was sick, got a virus my that Christmas, and by March, it had started attacking the beta cells in my pancreas and shut my pancreas down, or at least the insulin producing. So you said you were a freshman in college? Yeah, I was okay. late. late. So yeah. they used to call it juvenile, but now it's type 1, insulin dependent. Mm-hmm. Uh, this one is almost, I think the, the name now is almost autoimmune because it was triggered yes. by, um, by some, some virus. Um we were at a small local hospital when I was back home in Northeastern North Carolina and my doc wasn't there. So the 77 year old doc who was there, who went to church with me was like, Seth, don't know what it is. Some virus, but you're okay now. So go home. It's like, yes, sir. Um, <laughs> and whatever. Um, so that, that really started me. I was insulin dependent. I was on um, basically needle and pricking my fingers Um freshman in college and I was in Boy Scouts and my only memory of anyone with diabetes was the old lady who used to walk around the neighborhood until she died. And I was like, I'm not an old lady and I'm not going to die. Um, right. You know, the, the funny story I tell some people and I can tell it here in your audience is the doc said to me, Seth, there, there's several side effects you need to be aware of with type one diabetes. He's like, you can go blind. You can lose uh, your toes because the, the blood flow in your toes go out and you can go infinite. And I was like, holy cow, one of those things is really important to me. (laughs) And I was like, (laughs) my eyesight, right? I joke with my brother. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, whatever. Um, And so as a kid, it was one of those things of just thinking, all right, what do I do? And so I dropped my freshman 15 quick because I had to watch what I eat. Um, And it was one of those things. I, I think I was lucky enough because I wasn't a child going through I had my birthday parties and ice cream and those things as a, as a kid. Um, I was in college, so I was automatically transitioning, trying to create new habits. Um, and that part, I think I, I was lucky in a sense. Um, I had the opportunity 14 months later to go to Philmont Scout Ranch. I was big in or the era. We started the OA trail crew in 1995. Um, and so I went to Philmont Scout Ranch for a whole summer with a really heavy duty um, super duper thermos with two bottles of insulin wrapped. I had a special way to wrap them and kept them in there. So that way they just stayed sort of temperature neutral and managed with type one diabetes, uh, building trail in the top of the Rocky mountains for a week and then hiking anywhere we wanted for a week. And I'm like, you know what I can, I had to do that. I think just to prove that I wasn't that old lady walking around the hill and are walking around the road, I could literally do anything I wanted to do, just with a few caveats. Um, yeah, no, I mean, it's uh, I, you brought up some good points there. And one, just for clarity, obviously, people are familiar with the term diabetes. And, and just for clarity purposes, you know, there are some different types of diabetes. There's type one, which is what you've been diagnosed with. And to your point, historically, has been called juvenile diabetes because it typically is something that's caught early on in life because of the autoimmune component of things uh, with the beta cells getting attacked in the pancreas. And so usually that diagnosis is earlier. And then they used to call type two, essentially adult onset, because that really had more to do with lifestyle. Uh, In most cases, it was someone who was over consuming sugar, gaining a lot of weight. And so therefore wouldn't happen until later in life. And unfortunately, it's kind of 
been all meshed together a little bit from a standpoint of now older individuals can also get these autoimmune concerns. To your point, it was, uh, or in your condition, it was a, a virus. And it can be one of many things out there that can elicit autoimmunity. And then vice versa, because of the childhood obesity epidemic that we have in our society, we have children becoming type two diabetics earlier and earlier because of that lifestyle dietary, um, you know, unfortunate, uh, you know, program that they're on, uh, they're not as healthy as they need to be. So, you know, I just wanted to clear that out. Type one is typically because your body can't produce a hormone called insulin and insulin is, is important because when we eat food, um, having glucose in it, which is kind of the energy source or the sugar source that all food has, um, it's very toxic to the blood. And so the body can't keep glucose in the blood. And so what it has to do is it has to release a hormone called pain, or, uh, insulin from the pancreas, grabs that glucose and shoves it into different cells, the liver, fat cells, muscle cells. Um, but if you don't produce enough insulin or your body doesn't produce insulin, well, guess what happens? That glucose builds up into the arteries, into the blood system, and those um, crazy symptoms occur. You mentioned the amputation or the, or the loss of the toe, and that happens with extremities because of that glycation is what they call it in the bloodstream. Uh, same thing with eyesight. The, the optic nerve is very sensitive to that. And then lastly, you mentioned, which, <laughs> which none of us want to, to experience is that impotence. And so um, that's why it's important and why you mentioned having to carry the insulin around. Um, that's came a long way, though, I bet, since when you first got diagnosed. Oh, uh, bring us up to speed a little bit about kind of how you manage it now on a daily basis in comparison to kind of what you had to do initially. So, so I stayed on the the needle and just regular insulin for a long time. Insulin pumps were out. And finally, and the main thing for me is I just wanted to be able to go swimming and not worry about having this device. And so I ended up going first to a Medtronic pump, which has a, a tube, uh, which worked for me. It, it helped me regulate my blood sugar. Um, I always had a device on my hip. Um, I did my first go rec had first three events, but one of them was a go rec heavy with a Medtronic pump. Um, and so first grow ruck I did O2 in a, in Atlantic beach was with a, 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 a tube sticking out, you know, just, it went in my belly and it was right on my hip. Um, now I have a, an Omnipod, which is neat. So it Omnipod is a insulin device. I put three days of insulin in it. I attach it either to my arm or to my belly um, sometimes my flank on my hip, um, and it, it produced, it gives me three days worth of insulin and I have another little device that controls it. So it's, it's pretty unique in that I can do a Spartan super race now or whatever. I can go run the Blue Ridge relay. I can do a go ruck event, not worry about the mud. I just have to keep that device in a dry bag. Um, and normally the cadre are good and they hold it for me because it's expensive and they don't want it messed up either. And, um, so it's, it's one of those things that it has gone tremendously different. I think the other biggest thing is I have a continuous glucose monitor. So that means instead of having to check my blood sugar six to 20 times a day, six to eight, probably, but we used to check it. And that was the only way you could check blood sugar is to know that instantaneous, you know, you check it, you know what it is. The continuous glucose monitor is on my hip 24 hours a day for 10 days and it gives me a constant reading. I can tell when I'm going up super fast because I had a lot of candy corn, right? Or if I'm going down super fast because I took too much insulin or I'm exercising really hard. Uh, when I do go rec events and we're in the long march, I turn my insulin level down. Uh, my basal rate is what we call it. And then sometimes it's not good enough and I'll start tanking and I have to turn it down more. I have to take sugar to bring it up. So it's really, it's all a balancing act. Sugar brings it up, insulin brings it down. And my trick is to be balanced. Uh, but that continuous glucose monitor and the Omnipod are pretty doggone phenomenal right now. Yeah. Yeah, no, I mean, it, it makes it super convenient from a lifestyle standpoint. I work with quite a few patients with those devices and uh, other PAX members that I'm, a, I'm familiar with, with those devices. And it's, really game changing for them from a daily standpoint, uh, to your point, no one likes pricking their finger all day long just to kind of get a blood glucose reading. And, um, I know even 
some health and wellness, quote unquote, expert gurus advocate wearing a continuous glucose monitor from a standpoint of just dialing in your metabolic health. Because what a lot of times people don't realize is what they're eating, how quickly that alters their blood sugar. Um, and it's sometimes things that we're not aware of. And by wearing something like that, um, and I'm assuming yours connects to like an app on your phone. You just kind of pull it up. Yep. Uh, yeah. Yep. And so you just pull it up and you can kind of see, and, and it kind of helps people dial in to say, okay, when I eat this way, this is what affects me. And, and when I eat this way, it's different. And so on the grounds of, of diet and nutrition, uh, obviously your wife is dialed in. It sounds like with some of that nutrition, you've had to kind of monitor your own blood sugar. What does a typical Bono diet look like? I mean, what do you, how, how are you kind of monitoring that on a, on a, on a, on an overhaul overall basis? Obviously none of us are perfect. We all can grab that candy corn when we want it, but uh, just from a day-to-day basis, kind of what, what do you consider an ideal diet for you? I, I would say the, the first thing I've figured out is, is how to count carbohydrates. Cause that's one of the primary factors that I have to look at fat matters as well, because um, sometimes a high fat diet, if I eat a lot of, you know, pork barbecue in Eastern North Carolina, if I eat it at night, then sometimes it impacts how fast all the carbohydrates absorb into my system. And so at two o'clock in the morning, I'm starting to go up where I was fine for three hours after dinner. Um, that happened to me last night. I was telling you earlier, um, had a, uh, had pasta and it was a, gluten-free pasta we tried because my youngest in her medical stuff were trying to look at gluten and how that impacts how she feels. Uh, so it was a gluten-free pasta. It was really good and ate about 6.30 and my blood sugar was right on when I went to bed. And about 11.30, it started going up and it went all the way up to over 300. And that's my level where it's not safe um, because there's so much sugar in my system, then it can make me... It, ketoacidosic, acidotic, right? So in other words, it's just, I produce so much, I have so much sugar in my system, I just start a shutdown. Um, And the only time I've been in the hospital since that first time I was diagnosed was when my pump, when I had a a tube, it popped out um, and I was leading a Spartan workout, training workout. And I didn't realize it until I was taking a shower. And I was like, oh, that tube is just flopping. It's not supposed to. And with no insulin for a while, then ended up going to the hospital. So that's, that's one thing I got to look at. So bottom line is just, it's balancing the food um, and making sure that I'm not working out when it's too high. So I think part of it is um, breakfast is normally similar stuff. Um, So my, my bride, we have this, we call it an egg bake, but it's basically eggs, spinach, um, she, this one was a caprese one she made. So it had some, some cheese, tomatoes, um, have a, a sausage. She got, does turkey sausage, cut it up and it's great. And then we do some gluten-free muffins, a uh, little bit of a uh, coconut, I don't know if it was coconut oil or what she put in it, but they have some coconut in them and it was good. And I know exactly how many carbohydrates. And so that, that's the key I think is having some protein and some balance and then knowing what I have or or just um, counting the carbohydrates is key. Um, So that's really my, my thing is if I know the carbohydrates, I can manage my blood sugar much, much better. If I'm just guesstimating. Do you you find that you do better when you avoid carbohydrates altogether, or is it just something that you feel like you need and it's about balancing act or just I, want, I mean, I, I'm, I'm much better. See, it's, it's all about, um, the probability of, of, uh, of making mistakes. Right. So if, if I'm eating 20 grams of, of carbs and I miss it by 10%, that's not much. If I eat 200 grams of carbs, cause I have a lot of ice cream and I miss it by 20%, then my blood sugar's out. So it's, it's the idea. I think for me, it's the proportions that are important to look at. And so the answer is, yeah, the, the, the more limited my carbs are, the better, um, yeah. you know, and, and fat impacts it too. So cheesecake is got carbs and, and good fat. Oh my gosh, it's so good. And it messes me up, uh, three hours later. So I just think I have to be aware of that. Um, but yeah, the, the other thing I think too is, is key is the healthier I eat, the better my blood sugar is. Yeah. Um, 
when I get slack and lazy, which I get slack and lazy, then it's all over the place. Um, so yeah, that's, yeah. Well, I mean, and that's the bottom line. It's, it's, we got to be vigilant with our food. Even those of us that maybe aren't dealing with an actual diagnosis of something like type one or type two diabetes or anything, um, food matters. We talk about food being fuel and putting the right stuff into our system and to pretend that it's, doesn't have any consequences, just ignorance at this point of, of the game when it comes to what we really know about how the physiology works. And so you just have to do it a little bit more uh, vigilant because you have life-threatening concerns around it. Uh, whereas some of us, even though it is quote unquote life-threatening, if we eat poorly, you know, in the long term, it's just not that immediate change that we might see like you would. So obviously you post in the gloom, obviously you haven't allowed, um, you know, your condition, um, to get in the way of you accelerating and doing some pretty gnarly things like running 200 miles and grow rucks and all that kind of stuff. So, so speaking of F3 specific, what, what's your favorite style of F3 workout when it comes to posting the gloom? I mean, whether it's rocking or running, what is your go-to and what's your favorite? I, um, I really like going all the way around. I, I've, I've gone in phases to be honest with you. For the the first little bit, it was always boot camp. I got in the go ruck, and for years that was what I was. Running was stupid. Uh, I still think I told the guy Saturday running is still sort of stupid, but I don't hate it anymore. Uh, so I enjoy running um, there. So I've, I've gone through the running phase, pretty much just put my my running shoes away at BRR. So now I'm, I'm back into boot camps. Um, mm-hmm. So right now I would say the the phase is is boot camp because. I like feeling the muscles that you don't feel when you're a runner. Um, I joke with one of my buddies, you get T-Rex arms when you're a runner, right? Cause you don't have the ability. You're not doing push-ups. You're not doing a lot. You can do squats, but a lot of times with running, it's just, you get in this cadence of running. And if you're not careful, you get into this status quo sort of mm-hmm. plateau of just running. And so what I love about a boot camp is when I, when I'm getting up out of bed and I'm sore, I, I like that feeling. I know I'm, I'm growing muscles. Um, so right now I would say the, the boot camp is something I'm looking at. And uh, we're looking at trying to do some different things here in ENC, um, possibly looking at trying to, to get something even sector level with a Spartan race, you know, the old mud run we used to do in, in uh, um, what in, um, South Carolina. One, yeah. The one down in Columbia, South Carolina. Yeah, Exactly. In Columbia, something that style. I mean, I, I did that one year and it was so much fun. It was dirty and nasty and gnarly and telephone poles, but it was so much fun. I'm like, could we do that with a Spartan guys? Wouldn't that be neat? So just, I like talking junk to people and it's so much fun at a boot camp to talk junk to people. So that's, if I would say right now, F3, it's, it's, I'm in the, the boot camps and trying to to get reinvigorated that way to sort of break my status quo of just running for a while. Um, yeah. And I did the same thing recently, obviously game, training up for the BRR. I was putting in more miles and I always tell people I get in the worst shape of my life when I'm actually doing that. Uh, you know, you get really proficient at running, which is fine, but to your point, you lose, I lost about eight, 10 pounds of muscle mass over the course of a few months and yep. you just lean way out. And so I'm, I'm like you, I'm kind of back to the the boot camp, trying to lift some. I went to a kettlebell workout this morning, um, just trying to kind of do something with weight and 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 reinvigorate that aspect of my fitness. And so, it sounds like we're on the same page uh, as each other on that. How many mornings are you posting nowadays? Uh, I, at least four. I, and right now, what I'm looking at is probably going to be closer to to five or six. Um, partly just looking at responsibilities trying to get to harass guys and, and invigorate some, some guys locally, uh, but try to get at least four days out. Um, it's been five for the, the most part. Um, I realized too, part of that idea of, we talked about the Blue Ridge Relay, the third year, you, you get a little wiser. I realized sometimes that rest days are important, right? I got to make sure I'm getting the, the closer to seven plus hours of sleep I get, the better I am. Mm-hmm. I'm getting five and a half hours of sleep several days in a, in a week in a row. It's not a good thing for me. Um, so realizing that with age comes wisdom and sometimes it's called a smart sack, not a fart sack. Um, that's I right. It's something there that's important to realize. Um, yeah. So speaking of sleep, what is the uh, average bat- bedtime for you? 
I say the 10 o'clock hour um, is, is what I aim for. Um, last night, it was right at 10 o'clock, point blank. Um, my alarm goes off every morning at least at 425. Okay. Um, and that started when I was marathon training because I would do a lot of stretching and, and sort of dynamic stretching ahead of time. So it's normally a little more than an hour before the workout um, is what I try to do. I'm probably to the point where I don't need that much time right now. Um, so I'm thinking about maybe 435 would be good. <laughs> Squeezing um, out a few extra minutes, just right? Just 10 more minutes. Yeah. And I have a couple couple mornings where I meet early with my shield lock. Okay. Um, and then the other ruck and some workouts start a little earlier. So got at least one, one workout a week that starts at five. Um, so that's a little early, but it's okay. It is. It is. So it's 10 o'clock kind of lights out 10 o'clock or it's 10 o'clock. I'm, I'm making my way to the bedroom, making, to bed. my, making my way. And that's why sometimes okay. it becomes 1045. And that's when I, that's okay. when the sleep really impacts me. So I'm not as disciplined on that as I should be, to be honest with you. Um, okay. Just curious. And that's something we all kind of have to tweak. It has to do with a lot of times what our M schedule is yes. and, and other things that's going on. I, I, you know, I, I've said it before. Unfortunately, my wife likes to go to bed early as well. So for us, it's like eight 30, it's like, all right, it's already time to go to go, go to bed. And, and so I'm trying to be asleep prior to 10. Um, don't always make it happen, but it does make a big difference, especially when you get that extra 45 minutes, um, the, the next morning. Um, so good, good for you. Uh, I do know it's about consistency. Sometimes it's not the, the, the number as much as you just train the body to consistently kind of do something over and over again. That, that seems to be a benefit versus kind of this variable, you know, one late, you know, one night late, one night early, um, you know, back and forth. So as long as you're somewhat consistent, I think you're getting, um, you know, and what you need with that. I have this old man problem now, I think where, you know, my alarm goes off at 425. And when I don't set it, of course, I wake up at 423. Like, it's like, <laughs> come on, seriously? Yeah. What in the world? On the day, on the day you want to sleep in? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, it's just, it's, uh, it's, I think that idea of, of the, that, that what you said, being more consistent creates that habit and that body relates to the habit. And I think that's, what's important, even especially with diabetes, right? It's a matter of sure. food, same thing. Um, I always try to have variety in food, but the more consistent I can be, the better I can plan my, my insulin levels and what I eat. And it just helps life. Um, discipline is freedom, I think is what Jocko says, right? Um, that's right. That's right. And I, and I'm a big fan of discipline and, and structure and, you know, yeah. people always like, ah, oh, you know, the, you know, you know, summer's over, the kids gotta go back to school. I'm always like, thank God, because that's what we need in our family as far as that structure. So CSOPs, man, what's your, what's your favorite CSOP? Uh, what, what's the last one you did or which, which one uh, are you excited about doing next? So um, just finished Blue Ridge Relay, which is always fun. It's a blast. I mean, just it's really three days at least um, in the van with the guys. That, that's always fun. It's very different. Um, I love Grow Rucks. I um, mm-hmm. was the queue for two and a half years and just, felt passionate about the power of those. And that's, you know, you and I did Myrtle beach together and I think I've done 18 different events anywhere oh, wow. from a light to toughs to heavies to grow rucks to um, did a 50 miler in Charlotte. I got to see all different parts of Charlotte, North Carolina. Um, and so did a HTL. That was probably my, my favorite event was the heavy tough light. Um, oh, is that, you did that here in Charlotte? I did. Yeah. With Maximus, Spider-Man and Catfish. And and Cha-Ching was down here. Yeah. So I I remember that event and and just hearing the stories from that. So, wow, you, that, 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 that's quite a feat, man. Good for you. Yeah. So that, that was one at that time I was as strong, fast and fit as I've ever been in my entire life. I'd done the heavy drop training out of the uh, Cleveland area rec club, um, those guys, Brian Singlin is the guy who designs the workouts and they say he's a sadist, but he is so good mm-hmm. at, at that. Uh, probably the best hundred dollars I spent just in, in the discipline. And, and normally when I do a training program, I'm pretty anal about it. And that helped me. And I felt better after the, the end of that event than I did after my first heavy, which is just 24 hours. And this was 49 hours. Um, I think I slept maybe 15 minutes 
just because I was so worried about falling asleep. Just a quick cat nap in the driver's seat of my buddy's truck. I was like, I am not laying down. Um, but that was one of the things that was cool. The, the brotherhood I have there from those guys, I still know them, remember them. Um, it was so much fun um, doing that. So that that by far was my my favorite event. Um, well, ready. I mean, go to on. your point, yeah, I was just going to say, anytime you really go through just a transformative, adverse opportunity like that, that's that's where real bonding is. And that's why we encourage guys to get out there and do the CSOPs, right? It's why we encourage guys to continuously get out there and get in the gloom. And the whole idea behind why it's always outside early in the morning uh, to kind of go through that adversity early on with brothers um, because that's what builds the friendships and that's what allows that opportunity to, to, you know, build those relationships. I didn't mean to cut you off though. No, I think no, it, about it's, the... it's, it's so neat. I think one of the things too, there is, is you build the relationships, even with the cadre, you know, cadre cleave is one of these guys, he's got a reputation and he's one of the guys, if you watch selection in the past, he's one of the guys ramming at home and he's, it, it can be brutal. And he's also such a cool guy. And during a, that event, you get three events and you're sitting there in the long walk during the heavy. We're just sitting there talking, talking about drones, talking about life, talking about Cadre Danny, who he was friends with. And um, it's just it's amazing that those connections that uh, that you have during those events, the bonds of brotherhood are really built through that uh, shared suffering for sure. Yeah, absolutely. Well, you've been a con constant out in the gloom. Uh, you, you've been a constant out in CSOPs. Um, but sometimes packs, they, they kind of get introduced to, to F3. Uh, they may dip their toe in the water, kind of back away, maybe revisit later in, in life. So what do you think is one of the biggest obstacles packs face as far as staying consistent in the gloom? And what's some advice to maybe overcome that? Uh, I, I think for me, it's, it's the discipline is one of the key things. Um, I find that now that every night that I'm going to work out, I put out my clothes. Um, and that's one of those just habits of, I know it's going to happen. Um, my bride knows it's going to happen as well. What's funny is she's like, I know you didn't put out your clothes. You're going to sleep in this morning. It's like, yeah, that's a plan. Um, and she's like, good. Cause you need it. Um, and so I think that to me is one of the keys is, um, the discipline of, of preparing ahead of time, making the decision before, you know, the alarm goes off is key. Um, making the commitment to a friend, because that's the other thing too, is if, if I know that I'm going out there because tomorrow, for example, I'm going to meet Yuraka. Um, and so I know I have to be out there in order to connect with him. I know on Friday, I'm going to meet Doppler. And we're going to go early at five o'clock. And so because of that, I know I'm going to make that commitment and get there not only on time, but early. Um, I would say those two things. One is the discipline of setting out your clothes. And the, the main thing is making sure a brother's waiting for you because you're not going to leave him behind. Um, yeah, that accountability has gotten me more than once. That's for sure. Uh, <laughs> especially when many, it's raining. When you yeah, get up and it's raining, it's like, dang. On it. What oh, I know it. I know it. It's one of those like, oh, I had to just tell that person I was going to be there, didn't it? But uh, I'm sure you're like me. I've never gone and regretted it. Uh, it's always you're so thankful uh, that you're there, that you experienced it, and it's really those the ones that we just kind of alluded to that you build the best bonds, you know. Anyway, because those are the the stories that you have and and the, and the camaraderie you get to go through that. It's, it's like recess. When it's That's raining right. and nasty, I mean, you get stories to tell. You remember that time? Like, yeah, we slid in the mud, right? And I remember that time? Yep. And so it's just that part is is crazy. When you can say, yes, I worked out in a, in a Category 1 hurricane. Yes, we've done that. Tropical <laughs> no problem. Whatever, Ian. No worries. Um, That's right. Good. Yeah. yeah, no, absolutely. And I love the strategy. And I've shared it, too, with the whole putting the clothes out the night before. Because that is such a powerful uh, statement to yourself that you are going to do that. And I think that does get guys a lot of times, you know, is that they go to bed with the, the, still the uncertainty of whether or not they're getting up. And I got news for you. No one ever wants to get up at four in the morning. Uh, you no. know, people <laughs> always ask me, it's like, why do you like getting up so early? I'm like, I don't like getting up so early. I never like getting up early. Now, once I'm up, I'm glad I am, but 
when it comes time to get out of bed, I never want to. But if I've already committed, like to your point that I am, and I've already predetermined the clothes and I've already subconsciously told myself I was as well as maybe told another guy that I was going to be there. That's what motivates you. And I think that's a perfectly good um, advice for any guy that might be struggling. Or if you know a guy that's struggling with getting out there and being consistent, maybe suggesting to them some of these strategies, because that's what's going to help them uh, stay consistent and stay committed out in the gloom. Sure. Uh, so, so, so good words, man. Well, brother, I could talk to you forever, man, but I, I know we're kind of coming up on time here. Um, I, as a listener of the show, you've, you've probably heard some of the last couple of questions I typically ask guests and, and, and one of them always is, um, you know, can, can you give me three tips to help a man, uh, start their hunt for wellness, but I have a caveat for you. Okay. All right. And, uh, you, you've, you just, it was a perfect segue because you, you just mentioned him. You mentioned, uh, Kadri Danny or Linus as we affectionately know him in the gloom. And, um, I was at the, uh, Sandlocks Jacks in, in the spring down in Jacksonville, uh, with dark helmet and slaughter and Italian job. And, uh, Kadri Danny was there. And, uh, the first night, uh, we, we, we go and find them and, and we all go out and grab something to eat, uh, late that night, uh, prior to the festivities. And, you know, we're all talking like we normally do. And somehow podcast got up and he told me the story. He said, yeah, you know, I was, I, I went to listen to one of your podcasts and, and I'll tell you what, I listened to it because I thought it said five health tips from Bono. And I was like, <laughs> and, and, and the true title was Bones, you know, he, he didn't run because he told me, he was like, I was listening to the podcast and you just kept talking and talking. I was waiting for Bono to come on and <laughs> he never came on. So for Cadre Danny, uh, yes. we are going to ask you, brother, to share five health tips, five health tips for Bono uh, that maybe uh, tax can, can implement. Uh, that way I fulfilled my duty and, and had you share them live on the show with me. Yeah, I, I will tell you that that I was able to to ride with Danny on the, the back of uh, Black Beauty when he went from Maine to Florida. Um, and that was an honor to be able to. It was a weird ride because I'm staring at his, his back the whole time, right? His backside. But uh, he's a good man. So I will, I will do my best to, uh, to give Kadri Danny five, five health tips from Bono this time. Um, I would say probably the, the first one is, and you sort of mentioned this is that, that what you put in your body is, is the, the fuel for your body. So treat your body like it's, like it's a race car, right? So it's one of those things I think of, of honor honor the gift that God gave you and treat it right by what you put in your body. Um, being conscious of that all the time. It doesn't mean that you have to be perfect with it. You can always put the 87 grade in sometimes, but fill it up with premium. Uh, good food, um, I think is key for sure. Um, I think the other health tip is to create a cadence with your, your the workout regimen. Um, it's a matter of, you know, if, if for us with F3, we have an ENC, we can work out technically seven days a week because we have a run or ruck workout on Sundays, but have that cadence, I think is, is one of those things that's, that's key for you. Um, I think the other thing for me too, is to, to use your concentrica because my bride helps me tremendously. Um, it's, it's interesting when we are both talking about what we need to do health wise and, and eating right. And those kind of things. Um, we're starting to speaking of that sort of goes back to the first one, uh, the, the fuel and then also using your bride is looking on Sundays of what we want to eat. Um, so we're starting to cook stuff on Sundays, which is nice. Um, you know, if you, you're able to have a, a turkey cutlet, you know, she is um, and be able to cut it up. So it's fresh. It's tastes great. And it's um, not, not even from the deli, you know, where you have the, the slimy meat from a package at food line. It's not that it's actually where you cook it yourself. And so I think having her, um, has made me tremendously more healthy. So using that concentric, I think would be a third one. Um, I think the other thing too, and this gets into, you asked me what my favorite F3 workout is variety. Um, because I think for me, I find when I just run, I get in a, a, a rut, sort of a status quo. When I just ruck, I get in a status quo. So 
Like, for example, right now we're getting ready to get into Spartan life in ENC because got this idea uh, talking to Grizz about this crazy thing that we can do in the sector with Spartan races. And I would love to talk junk to people like my friend Bones here and say, I'll see you at our Spartan race. Let's see what we can do. Um, and I think that variety helps because it keeps you engaged. It, it tests the body differently and it feels good when your body is sore because you know you're building muscle. So I think variety would be number four. Um, and I would say number five is probably for Danny. It's, it's find a cool friend um, and do something with them. Um, you know, I'm not a bike rider, but when I was, when I heard Danny was riding a, a tandem bicycle solo by himself, um, and I was going to the outer banks where my grandparents are and he was coming by the same time. It's like, yeah, you can stay at, at, at our place. Not a problem. And, and I just sort of assumed, Hey, Hey, can I get on the back and ride with you? And he sort of hesitated and he's like, okay, sure. And I didn't realize until our first break, um, he's like, Bono, you're the first guy that rode on the bike, uh, since his buddy. Cause he was doing it actually for his buddy. who was blind vet who actually had a heart attack on a training run and died. And I didn't realize that. I was like, mm. I don't want to be the first one. It's like, no, it was an honor. So it was one of those things I think for me of do something with somebody. Um, and I just offered, I was clueless on that. And it's, a then people started riding with him. Um, and so he rode from the Outer Banks of North Carolina, I think all the way through Ocracoke down into South Carolina and had people with him for a ways. Um, but I think do something with somebody uh, because it matters. And those relationships matters for matter for a long time um, to keep yourself healthy. So how about that? All right, man. Yeah, I love them. I love all those. And, and especially that last one, because I think that's important. Um, yeah. you know, a lot of times we think about health as this solo journey or what I can do for my own health and how do I excel at myself? And you forget that it's these other people in our lives and our relationships that are part of our health yeah. and, and wellness and well-being. And so I think that was beautifully said, man. So I appreciate you for saying that. Uh, and I do have one final question, but obviously before I do that, I do want to just acknowledge you again and say, thank you. I appreciate you uh, coming on the show and just sharing your journey and, and your strategies. And I know a lot of things that you mentioned today is going to be very impactful for PACs across the country and the world now. I mean, uh, this is an international thing that uh, we have going on, and it's just a, a neat thing to see um, across the board for that. So I appreciate you on that. If somebody wanted to reach out to you, maybe they have questions about the education piece or just you in general, or some of the things that you talked about, uh, today, what is the best way that they can reach out to you? Yeah. So, um, my, my email is, is one way. So I'm Bono at F3 nation. So that's, that's the easiest way. Um, I'm also F3 Bono on Twitter, so we can do that. Um, we have F3 Nation Slack, um, so you can reach out to me that way. I'm still Bono. Um, I have a picture, I think, on each of those. That way you know um, you just look for the the guy with the big ears, and that's me is what my – I got my granddaddy's ears is what what we say down here. Um, so, yeah, so it's – and I would love to hear from folks. Um, just heard, actually, by the way, just with within type 1 diabetes, there's a small community of guys we have our own Slack channel, by the way. So if you are type one or just diabetic in general, have a kid, we do have a Slack channel. Uh, so that's a great way to join that community there. Um, the first event I did, Gruruk 03, Brittany out of Houston did it, and we both had Medtronic pumps. And so that was a connection. And he's just a total stud. I mean, just out the wazoo. And so I still follow him. And just when you find guys like that, that you share a bond of connection, it's, it's key. So please reach out. I would love to talk to guys and whatever you need, uh, share the, the wealth and, and nation and, and just experience that I have. So just across everybody, we'll, we'll, yeah, I'd love to take care of it and share that for sure. Yeah. Well, I appreciate you letting us know about that. I didn't realize there was a Slack channel around that. And so that's, T1D. that's great to know. Yeah. yeah, yeah. That's great T1D. to know because like I said, I know here locally, we have a guy for sure, at least one PAX member who was recently diagnosed with type one diabetes. And so I'm sure there's others. And, you know, when you first get that diagnosis, it's a whole new world, as you re probably remember when you went through it and uh, just trying to navigate the changes and what you can and cannot do and best practices. And so what a resource that is, um, you know, 
for PAX members. And so I'm glad you shared that. So my last question, brother, is this, what is your definition of wellness? Uh, I would say wellness is really, it's that, that all around health. It's, it's combining both the physical, the mental, the spiritual, um, wellness includes your family. Um, and I think it's about balance. Um, I think wellness is about balance. You can't do too much of anything. Um, can't drink too much, can't eat too much, um, and can't exercise too much even, uh, can't sleep too much, but balance I think is key and, and balance in everything in your life is, is really the goal for me of, of looking at how, how do I make sure that I'm well and stay well. Thanks for listening to the Hunt for Wellness podcast. Please rate and review our show and be sure to share it with your F3 brothers. As always, we are looking for inspiring stories to share and health experts to interview. So if that's you, please reach out to me at bones at huntforwellness.com, on the nation Slack at bones, or Twitter at HFW podcast. And until next time, this has been Bones guiding the packs of F3 Nation on their hunt for wellness.